Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going down, man? Dude, I'm ready to talk uh, about Salem's Lot. Didn't you want me to finish that novel? <laughs> what, is that not what we're talking about? Not tonight? today. Not today. Oh. Ha- however, I was I was just kind of thinking about this, man. Like, you know, we, we've talked about covenantal baptism yep. or pedo-baptism yep. or baptizing babies. Yep. We've talked about uh, believer's baptism. Yep. Uh, which is what we would say is the real baptism. Yep, right, right. Um, to all our Presbyterian friends out there. We, we've we even kind of talked about, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit yep. and, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's gifts. You know, we had Matt Smith on uh, years ago talking about, like, the, you know, the charismatic gifts or the, you know, supernatural gifts. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about something, well, I mean, this whole month is, you know, uh, awkward Bible verses or obscure biblical texts. And uh, we're going to be talking about something that is mentioned uh, called the baptism of the dead. Baptism of the dead. I feel like this is... All uh, of a sudden, dude, Salem's Lot sounds more relevant. (laughs) I mean, I just finished that book, dude. That's King's second novel. I've never read it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's hard to believe. I just never read it. Okay. Um, Thoughts on it? I liked it. Okay. It's dated... It's uh, set in 1975. Okay. And so it's really interesting to hear some of the technology, et cetera. You're yeah. like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it was 50 years ago. But um, I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was um, not the one that put him on the map. Right. That would have been, well, Carrie was his first, which is famous, but it was really The Shining right. that made King King. So I've read that. But I'd never read Salem's Lot, finished it. And, dude, I didn't even think about it. Because, you know, it's about vampires in a little uh, fictional town, Jerusalem's Lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's about people that are dead yet become not alive, dude. What's the word they use, you know? Undead. Undead. Yes. So, baptism for the dead or the undead? Uh, no, but uh, I'm not going to talk about Stephen King. But it just, yeah, it was it, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So we uh, we actually find this in uh, the book of is it is it First Corinthians or Second Corinthians? It is First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and it's it's really interesting because well well let's say this dude the reason I think this is an obscure Bible verse is yes when we read about it 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 kind of strikes us as a little bit odd, um, but then uh, we we uh, understand there are some groups such as the Mormon church mm-hmm. that actually practi- practice baptism for the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, here's the verse, dude. It's uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm. Um, there, very famously, I'm going back to verse 12, um, Paul, I love this you know idea because the, the, the church at Corinth 
there seems to be a significant group of people that are doubting whether or not there's a real future resurrection. Sure. Paul is saying, yeah, that's not a minor issue. Right. If there's no future resurrection, we've got some major problems right. here. One, if there's no you know uh, no physical resurrection, then his argument is, well, then our hope is Christ who was resurrected from the dead. Then he was never raised uh, right. if we eliminate the possibility altogether. So he envisions a universe where Christ doesn't rise. It's it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's sort of the the alternate universe picture, and right. it's very bleak. Yeah. If you know, and of all the things he says, if Christ is not raised, well, our faith is useless. It's in vain. We're still in our sins. Mm-hmm. We have no hope. We're of all men most to be pitied. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have hope only in this life. Um, and then, of course, he's going to show that this is ridiculous, um, that Christ was raised from the dead, mm-hmm. and we one day will be raised from the dead. Then there's this cryptic little verse. Like, I, we can follow that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty important. Yeah, if Christ isn't uh, back from the grave, mm-hmm. we don't have any hope. His resurrection ensures our future resurrection. Yeah. Because Paul calls him the first fruits. Yep. He's like the first fruits from the harvest. What's the rest of the harvest? It's all of us. Right. Uh, those that have gone before us, and then us eventually when it's our turn. Um, but verse 29, there's this quick little reference, and he barely drops it in. He goes, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? And he doesn't comment on it negatively. Right. He comments on it incidentally. And if anything, he uses it to kind of show their hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, what about people that are baptized with the dead? And we're all kind of like, uh, <laughs> uh dude, insert the uh, screeching DJ right. sound effect there. We're like, what? Yeah. What does that mean? So uh, the Mormon church uh, has a practice, apparently. Uh, I've never known anyone to do it, but it's very easy to, to research and look up, where if you have a loved one, you weren't sure about their faith, you could baptize them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about this this morning. Uh, you can literally, in some cases, go to a, a grave and perhaps pour water on the grave, uh, near mm-hmm. the grave. Uh, some people say you could do it by proxy, kind of on their behalf. Um, <clears throat> this is a uh, is a head-scratching verse. couple of things, though, that stand out, dude. If It's never stated, but think what's lurking behind that practice, mm. uh, the way it's done today. There doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of... Uh, faith alone through Christ alone stuff right. going on there, does it? Right, yeah. So it betrays this idea that we might need some helps yeah. to make sure we get to heaven, Yep. like baptism. So before we even discuss what this may be, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important to just emphasize again, uh, how often do we talk about the thief on the cross? Right. Nathan, I mean, the one guy we know, slam dunk assurances in heaven, was never baptized. Yeah. Um. And Jesus says, and I've talked to some people before, well, that's an exception. Where does it say that's an exception? Right. Uh, it sounds like your thinking is making it an uh, exception. Right. I just see a man who sees Jesus as his only hope, asks him for mercy and help, and gets it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the exception. Right. I think that's, that's what Jesus That's the rule right in. there. It's what he does, right? So yeah. immediately, before we even know what this is, like our antenna should be up. Yeah. If Christians, oh, well, should we do this? Uh, it's, it's in the Bible. Right. Which is how this often goes. So the question is, what is Paul referencing? And I'm convinced, Nathan. Yeah. We've talked about this before. When you and I, we've had experiences uh, like the one I always reference, if we talk about the uh, uh, the night I had no pants, right? <laughs> I really hope there's a context to that because there was a context to that. Right. <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking, dude. Um, hundred years from now, yeah, somebody sees uh, they archive this ancient form of communication called. The text message. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Greg to Nathan. And it says, dude, we got to be careful not to have another no pants night. Uh, I use this illustration far too much. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a context that night yeah. where I spilled, uh, you know, what, what didn't I spill soda on my pants? Yeah, or? well, it was, uh, if you remember, it was February. It yes. was super cold outside. Freezing cold. And you had put the soda out to oh, yeah. chill. <laughs> But you forgot about yes. it. So by the time you went out to go and get it, yep. uh, it just had kind of exploded, exploded all over your pants. Yes. And so I thought, okay, well, no harm to <laughs> We got plenty of blankets. It's just you and me there. Yeah. So I can blank it up. And didn't I stupidly try to hang my pants outside? Outside, yes. In the damp <laughs> air. That wasn't very, uh, very good. So stupid story. Pretty... Um, interesting, but without context, yeah. of course, I'm not sure context helps anything with that story. In this case, but <laughs> imagine people, what is the no pants night? What What is this about, <laughs> right? I, I, I use that uh, illustration all the time because when you read scripture, there is a sense in which you're reading somebody else's mail. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, not to negate, I'm not at all saying the Bible was not for us. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. But you can tell by looking at the context of a passage like this. Yeah. Here's what I noticed. Paul seems to understand what he's referencing mm-hmm. and clearly assumes the Corinthians understand what he's referencing. Yeah. They have the context to fill in the gap that we don't have. Yeah. And it's the classic thing, Nathan, when you study Scripture, and since we've both taught the interpretation of Scripture, proper hermeneutics, you 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 always interpret the unclear or the less clear yeah. in light of the more clear. Yes. Right? So, okay, you take a classic example. This isn't about this. First Corinthians 2, women will be saved through childbearing. Mm-hmm. There's one verse about women being saved through childbearing. Right. And there are scores of verses about salvation through faith in Christ. Yes. So you don't now build a doctrine. Right. Some weird doctrine that, well, wait, this young lady's never been pregnant? Ooh, she can't have any assurance of salvation. Right. How bizarre that would be to pluck this verse that is admittedly, huh, that's a head scratcher. Right. What's going on here? Again, they tend to be incidentally referenced. Yes. And I think it's because Paul or Peter, whoever's writing, has had prior conversation. Yes. So I think before we even, I'll propose a few things. There have been three or four major views on this baptism for the dead thing. 
I think the most humble place we could begin, most honest, is Paul knew what he meant. They seem to know what he meant. Yep. And we're the ones, hey, I think I'm missing a piece here. Yeah. And let's start there. Sure. Yeah. And, and it, it, like you said, context is important, right? Because we don't want to parachute into a conversation without that. Yes. And I mean, we, you know, we, we experience that all the time, you know, just kind of jumping in. I know I do it. So I hear somebody say something and I jump in there and it's like, that's not what we were talking about. Right. Oh, my bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and me both. You know, and so, you know, but it, but it's like you said, right? Women shall be saved through childbearing. Well, again, there's a context, right? Right. And, and well, what has Paul been talking about, particularly when you go back to Romans? Right. I mean, what did Paul spend his entire letter? Well, he, he walked us through the gospel story from beginning to end, everything that Christ did, talking about our new Adam. Yeah. You and I uh, are going to be looking at our Christmas specials, right? And yep. one of the verses that we're going to be looking at is Genesis 3.15. Yeah, I can't wait for that one, dude. Which answers this question, right? What is Paul referring to? Oh, he's referring to this idea that that Eve is going to have a son, yeah. and that is going to be her salvation from the serpent. Yes, Right. So there's, like you said, there's a context. And when we read scripture and we read something obscure, and let's say there isn't anything to go back to in reference. Right. Well, we have to understand clearly, okay, this isn't the main thing here then. Yeah. So, so as you said, all right, what's the main thing? Yeah. And, and that's where we go from. Can we go back historically and look up some things, you know, Greg, you're going to sit there and uh, talk to us about some of those things, you know, what, three possible interpretations of this scripture um, to give us some context. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, one of them could be right. None of them could be right. Right. Of course. And so we have to look at it and say, okay, uh, what is the point of what Paul is saying? Yeah. Um, And, and, and that's where we need to get to, right? We, you know, Paul even warns us about this, you know, not getting into, um, the, these these petty arguments, yes. and I think this could turn into a petty argument for some people. And I mean, clearly, you know, you have, um, you know, the Mormon faith that has, you know, kind of pushed this forward yeah. as something to do. Right. When the reality is, as far as Christendom is concerned, this has been lost to history and tradition. Sure. Yeah, and I I think that's a good point, dude. We can look at the practice of the church, and we see a profound lack of whatever yeah. This, yeah. You know, what what the the Mormons would do today. We don't see it, but we can look at scripture. Do we see Jesus ever doing this? Do we ever see right. the apostles doing this? Do we see the early church doing it? Uh, the answers on that would be no, no, and let's double check. Yeah, no, right? Uh, they're not doing it, right? So that that's instructive, right there, right? Uh, that, okay, I've got an obscure verse that, again, Paul incidentally references. Yes. His point is to argue for the the truthfulness, the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus yes. as the basis for our future yeah. resurrection, our hope that that would uh, be in our destiny. That's what he's talking about. Yep. So anything he says is in service to that. He's not saying, hey, time out. Let me introduce a new weird doctrine right. uh, that I want to insert here. Right. So we have to read it carefully. 
the reality is he could, you know, go all Ghostbusters and reference the Stave Puff Marshmallow exactly. Man. Exactly. And if if his readers and he knows his readers are going to know this context, right? If I right. mentioned the Stave Puff Stave Puff Marshmallow Man, your mind automatically goes to Ghostbusters. Absolutely. And and you and I could just sit there and and know what is being referenced and talked about. Right. And and you're right. That's what Paul's doing now. Yep. I'm going to Dan Aykroyd now. <laughs> I tried, Ray. <laughs> tried to think of the safest, most harmless memory I ever had. What did you do, Ray? <laughs> it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Man. Classic, dude. Classic. I still remember 14 years old, in the theater with my family, fell in love with that movie instantaneously. Dude, why did you introduce that? <laughs> We didn't get to it at Halloween. (laughs) Had to be brought up sometime. Had to be. This is the inserted bonus portion where for the next 30 minutes, we will speak about all things, uh, all things Ghostbusters. No. A couple of thoughts on this, dude, that you can find this. I'm going to use a guide here. Uh, I had one earlier uh, that was a little more involved. Um, I think Ligonier has some good stuff on this. If memory serves, Desiring God. This is Got Questions. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. that? Which is a really good basic site. They uh, they give three um, possibilities that people have proposed. So um, one is that um, baptism for the dead is just shorthand uh, for our hope. Kind of what Paul's arguing here. Yeah, that baptism for the dead is sort of a shorthand way of saying what baptism represents. Yeah. We're buried with Jesus, right? In you often hear pastors do that. Normally I don't do that too. When I baptize, I just mm-hmm. say I baptize you in the name of the yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but I know some people that while they're baptizing would say buried with Christ in his death. Yep. And when they bring the person up, raised with yeah. him to newness of life. Yep. It's fine. It's celebratory. Yep. Some people basically take the phrase baptism for the dead as kind of a, a shorthand truncated version. This is what this symbolizes. We're, we're, we're united with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're raised with him. So the way that we might say, um, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, you know, we go to war for our country. Mm. It's the cause. It's the final yeah. hope. It's the it's it's the the goodness of the grand old U.S. of A. Yeah. So some would argue it's just a, uh, an expression. They include an example here uh, from Barnes, a very noted commentary. Every Christian has embraced belief in the physical resurrection of the, of the dead, a doctrine illustrated in the very act of baptism. Mm. To deny the resurrection is to denounce the very foundation of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and make baptism meaningless. Yeah, yeah, it's a very legitimate possibility. Uh, the second one is interesting um, that those baptized for the dead are those who are taking the physical place left vacant by believers who have already died. Again, that would be the suggestion. It's shorthand language. If for the sports fans out there, because mm. I can't say you, Nathan. That's right. But I bet you've heard this phrase. It's in the NFL. It's called the next man up mentality. Sure. You know, when I was at the game uh, last week mm-hmm. with my sons, the Ravens game on uh, Thursday night, great game. We beat the Bengals. Um, Mark Andrews, our stud tight end, went down in the first quarter. 
Mm. Right? It was a, a crushing thing. So the thought is, well, next man up. Who, who's on the yeah. depth chart? The, the second view is the depth chart view, that baptism for the dead is a shorthand expression of, um, hey, these believers that have paid the ultimate price. Mm-hmm. All right? When I identify with Jesus through my baptism, not being saved, but I mm-hmm. publicly identifying, I'm in essence becoming the substitute for those people that have died. Mm. Um, what's an example they give here? In the Schofield Reference Bible, um, of what value is it for one to trust Christ and be baptized in the ranks left vacant by the believing dead if there is no resurrection of believers? Why place life in jeopardy and forfeit the benefits of this life if there is no life after death? Mm. So, okay, you know, I hear that. Am I persuaded? I'm not sure. But, oh, I, I kind of understand mm-hmm. that argument. Um, and if Paul has been there preaching before and he's talked about those that have paid the ultimate price yep. in martyrdom or something like that, it's sort of the, the next man up. Um, third view is similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really the belief that um, those that have been baptized uh, because they've been inspired to follow Christ have done so because of the martyrs who have died. Mm. So the baptism for the dead reference, again, it's similar to the first one, maybe a little less next man up and a little bit more like the reason I came to faith in Christ and got baptized to identify with him is this man that I grew up with, yeah. I saw, would not repudiate the faith. And he didn't deny Jesus. Yeah. And that so inspired <clears throat> me. And it is neat, dude, you know, when you read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you hear these stories in the early church. Yeah. You know, it's the old, uh, was it Polycarp's phrase, I think, that the uh, blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. Yeah. It, it's so counterintuitive. Right. Hey, let's kill these Christians. Every time we kill them, they more are added. They multiply. It's it, think about yeah. how maddening that must have been. Yeah. from the perspective of the exterminators, right? Right, that thought they would rid the world of these pesky Jesus followers. Yeah. Um, so we just went through, and again, there, there's there's a few other proposals. Those, those seem to be the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, I think, is there a scriptural argument that could be made in the context of First Corinthians? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, do these arguments fit in keeping uh, with other scriptures? I think you could make a reasonable case. Mm-hmm. So, so like you said earlier, Nathan, maybe none of these three are right. Mm-hmm. But now we're a long way off, off from saying, hey, uh, my uh, great uncle Joseph passed away. I'm not sure what his faith was. Right. Why don't we get be- like, what? Right. Um, now I'm in territory that I see nowhere in Scripture. Right. So I tend to like to look at these things, not that I find the quote-unquote right answer, Yeah. but I say, oh, okay, when I look at godly people that yeah. have studied Scripture, and as they've analyzed the context, as they sought to do their research, ah, look at this. Right. Here's a thought. Here's a proposal. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something, too, to also saying, Let's say it is this idea that that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. You know, Uncle Joe died. I don't know where he was, and I'm going to baptize him. Yeah. Paul is not endorsing or condemning this practice. No. 
You know, and I think that's important to understand is yeah. that it, he's just using it as yeah. an example of something that they would all recognize. In the same way that you and I might talk about no pants night, but we're not endorsing people go around having no pants night. Uh, let's underscore that, brother. We are not endorsing that. Right. But I, if your soda does explode on you, right. you may need to uh, wrap yourself in blankets. That's right. And hang your pants on the tree. And, and, and let's be clear. It's not that we were both in no pants night. No, it was, it you was were just no me. Pants night. And uh, Nathan sat with me in a podcast booth, so he made very sure that I was covered up. Uh, did not want to have a sauna experience with right. me. Um, yeah. But yeah. but I think that's that's crucial to understand is that let's say we find some piece of archaeological evidence to suggest that this is exactly what happened, right? Yeah. Some, some text that comes forward. Um, you know, almost like a Dead Sea Scroll type thing, and yep. we we find this nowhere in this text in this letter that Paul is is writing to the Corinthians is he is he doing anything other than referencing this practice yeah. or this this idea this um, you know uh, shorthand what whatever yeah. it is yeah no I you think know. that's important dude there's no doctrine he's teaching here right the doctrine he's sticking with is the resurrection of Jesus yes and then along the way we've got this passing reference to whatever this baptism yes. of the dead is which we've seen uh, again whatever it is yeah. does not seem Paul shows no knowledge of okay I got a big thing I got to drop on you guys right. that you haven't heard yet it, it's it's referenced as he's moving on to his point that to me is the most telling sign yeah um that they had some communication yeah and this happens regularly basically dude it's the reason every threes company episode ever <laughs> Right. Was about. Uh, I remember even even it's at Matthew Perry's Chandler. Yeah, quotes at one time in Friends. Right. It's one of my favorite lines where they come in to say something. He's like, "Shh." He goes, "I'm I'm watching Three's Company. It it appears there's been some kind of misunderstanding." Right. Because uh, <laughs> that was every episode. Yeah. Jack didn't hear Chrissy tell Janet blah blah blah. Right. And then the entire thirty minute episode. <laughs> Is him thinking, oh my goodness, she's she's going to throw me out of the apartment, or you know, it's it's some absurd thing, and uh, you know, it it is there when we don't have the pieces, yeah, we can come up with some really goofy, erroneous ideas, yeah, and I think just to pause because you know, it's we're we're going to be doing these Bible verses this month. What is this now, dude? Our Third? This is our third. We've got one more to go. One more to to yeah. One more to go. It's the same for all of them. Mm -hmm. You build your understanding of scripture, interpreting the un less clear in light of the clear. Right, and that has been the practice of faithful Christians for two thousand years. Yeah, and it seems like we always get into trouble. Yeah, when we focus on these obscure. Yeah. What about this one thing? Right. And when we did the uh, Haunted Cosmos podcast yeah. last week, that was, uh, I think we never really all planned to talk about this, but I sensed all four of us yeah. were feeling that sense of uh, just be cautious. Yeah. That you don't take, you know, whether You it's, don't have be, develop a preoccupation yes. with- If it's the yeah. Nephilim yeah. or UFOs right. and Bigfoot sightings and- or aliens. Baptism for the dead. <laughs> baptism for the dead. Or, or you know, and it's um I get it because sometimes dude, I don't think most of us want to admit this. 
sometimes we're looking for a little spice. Yeah. A little chili powder yeah. to spice things up a little bit. Ah, yeah, I know the gospel, and and I think the goal is always to keep the, the, the gospel in front of us in such a way that our prayers, Lord, always make it fresh, always make it invigorating, because there is an ocean of truth in which we can dive. Right. And, man, it's so good for our souls and our hearts. Yeah. And we will not find a shortage of clear scripture on the deity of Jesus. Right. His death on our behalf, God's unconditional love for His people, right? Yeah. Um, God's or God's hatred of sin, right? His absolute commitment to yeah. punish sin, yeah. Where it's like we will find no shortage on those things, right? Um, and then you find a verse here, a verse there, right. and you, we we scratch our heads a little bit. So, yeah, I hope this. Uh, it was a helpful one for people. If you've come across that in your next small group Bible study, right? Well, and just you know, kind of, uh, kind of a few more things, um, you know, because we're we're running about thirty minutes. I don't I don't oh, want to make it, you know, uh, super short. But dude, I was cutting, wanna, uh, cutting us off way too short. <clears throat> don't want to drag it out, you know, if if the the conversation has run its natural course. But just the idea that you know we we keep in mind. Um, the again saying it over and you know feel like i'm beating this dead horse but there's a context and there's a culture that these things are being written into yes right i mean could you could you imagine trying to describe the process of and, and let me just take something absolutely um horrific right Trying to trying to explain the process uh, of abortion to someone, yeah, this absolutely barbaric practice, yeah. that uh, that goes on in our country. Um, what would that look like to yeah. to a people in a culture that are completely unfamiliar with that? Yeah, right. Uh, let's bring things back up. You know, take it off, take it off that. But uh, you know, think think about some of our sports that mm-hmm. we play, right? Trying to explain the concept of football, right? Let's say, you know, 200 years from now, I mean, and, and I don't think that's hard to imagine. I mean, 300 years ago, people were playing this, you know, weird version of what has now become lacrosse, right? right? I mean, American Indians were playing this, you know, in America, and and now we have this game called lacrosse, yeah. right? We see kind of some DNA traces, but like the game looks very different than right. it does now. Right. You know, so two, three hundred years from now, uh, you know, uh, I, I know, Greg, that even though you would be dead, this would break your heart, but football <laughs> is no longer a thing. Oh, my goodness. And you're trying to explain this idea of, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and this, you know, shows you my knowledge. What is it, 11 guys out on the field? Yeah, the you're team? right. 11 okay. guys per team. Um, you know, they're going to line up in front of each other yep. and one of them is going to get the ball yep. and then they're going to try to throw it down and run it to, to an end zone. But if they get tackled, they get another try to get oh, it down yeah. there. Once they get beyond, a, you know, like trying to, to logistically work through the details of, of something that has to be experienced. Yes. It, it just, Bizarre, dude. Uh, what you're describing about football 200 years ago is me trying to understand rugby now, <laughs> dude. It was on uh, recently, <clears throat> and I'm like, "What the heck is this?" Honestly, in part of it looks like football, 
and then a guy gets tackled, and then the same guy who gets tackled gets up and like kicks the ball. <laughs> right? What is, he, is is it resetting? And I I don't know, but every guy on the field knows what's happening. Paul jokes. We'll have to have you on to uh, to, <laughs> yeah, to describe ex- this to us. Explain to me rugby, but not croquet, please. We don't need to know about that. Or can somebody explain to me curling? Um, that actually, sports are a great example, dude. Because if you don't know it, yeah, and you try to explain it, and then try to explain like a sub debate right. within it, right? You know, if you like, if if you know nothing about baseball and you try to explain what the designated hitter was and what its right. advantages, you're like, dude, I don't know what the game is, and I do think, um, yeah, we're we're two thousand years away, yeah, from the culture, the context, the language, the traditions, the customs, the expectations, all of that. I mean, we put a lot of trust in commentators and mm-hmm. preachers, etc. But most honest scholars will tell you at some level, we're taking a guess here. Yeah. Because nobody was there. Right. Right? And we're we're kind of recreating a puzzle where we're missing a few pieces. Yeah. Hey, it looks like we got three corners. Yep. Uh, we can guess this puzzle ends here. This section, I mean, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Really. And, and uh, you can get a lot right with that. Sure. You can get very uh, accurate understanding but it's not the same as slam dunk, right. no debate, clear precision. The deity of Christ. Exactly. Like, you know, again, like you said, I mean, these are things that just... Yeah, they're spelled out. This is the theme, right? Yeah. If, if you get nothing else from understanding scripture, understand Christ is the son of God and he died for your sins. Exactly. Like, that's that's it. If that's all you get, then then that's enough, Yeah. right? Um. And so, yeah, those those things are important to, you know, it, they're they're fun debate topics, yeah. right? This is this is the kind of thing where you have a campfire and you sit around with your friends and hey, let's talk about this topic here, you know, baptism for the dead, yeah. Um, and and you ponder and postulate and yeah. oh well, what about you know this and you know something else that's always been fascinating and I th- I think it could equally be. Uh, uh, obscure Bible verse, right? Is is baptism before Christ? Right. You know, it's it's one of those things where, well, wait a minute. There, there there's a baptism of repentance that John preached, but right. But really, Christ's death and resurrection is the repentance, and you know, and so we we look yeah. at certain things, and and again, just like with that, we would have to go back and look at the context. Why are people being baptized in this context before Christ's death on the cross? Yeah, and actually, I'm glad you bring that up, Nathan, because similar to circumcision, uh, <clears throat> most scholars tell us circumcision I- existed in the world prior to uh, the ancient days of the patriarchs. Mm-hmm. But it appears that what's important is that um, it's infused with specific meaning. Mm. There were other tribes that practiced it for various reasons, mm-hmm. ritualistic, um, you know, aesthetic cleansing reasons, etc. Uh, but God spells it out that this is a sign of belonging to His people, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a play on the word. Whoever right. is not cut in the flesh is cut off from My people. He right. wanted there to be a designated sign of belonging to His covenant people. Um, Baptism appears that it was practiced in the intertestamental mm-hmm. period between uh, the Old and New Testament. 
Uh, the Essenes certainly uh, did it, who were, you know, uh, always uh, are usually associated with the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran community, etc. Um, so you've got John coming along, and his baptism is a bit different. Mm-hmm. We see that in the book of Acts. His appears to be preparatory, mm-hmm. um, which does seem to be a different baptism than we have in the Great Commission, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you're baptized in the name of of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, which, by the way, is grammatically incorrect unless we're getting a hint at the Trinity. Right. Because they should be in apposition. The names Names. of uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I've always found it fascinating, the singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bottom line, dude, before we we sign off on this one, though, I hope people um, are just sort of revisiting this in their minds. Uh, I have person very dear in our life, uh, a Catholic context, who, um, when she had her baby many years ago, mm-hmm. had a very kind of diehard old school aunt. Uh, the baby had some health issues. Uh, so they were uh, attending to those needs with mm-hmm. the doctors, etc. And um, they had a person pressuring them uh, to get the baby baptized just in case something happens. Mm. So uh, the husband, who's a friend of mine, reached out to me, said, Greg, I know I'm not a super religious guy, but I think my wife respects you because she knows you're a minister, etc. Um, my goal is always I wanted to give the gospel. Right. But she was a wreck uh, at the time that, oh, I'm worried because this well-meaning relative yeah. who scared her to death kept putting this idea in her head that her child might not be safe. Yeah. So to be able to step back, that leads us to another topic, but I do think I was able to, I got to the gospel eventually, but just to say, your baby's fine. Yeah. Your little three-week-old infant, Yeah. 12-week-old infant, one-year-old is just fine. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, it felt good to be able to do that. Uh, But just the... That uh, that lurking baptism for the dead thing. The most concerning thing is, our our hope is Christ. Yeah, baptism is an important symbol. Right. To me, uh, I meant to say this earlier, Nathan. I'm glad we, you reminded me. Hey, we're not done, Dutcher. It's what happens when we break for Chinese dinner in the I middle know. of the podcast. I'm thinking, aren't we like an hour into this? <laughs> nope, we had a long dinner. First um, Corinthians one. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I believe it's verse 17 where Paul says, for God did not send me to baptize, but to Mm. preach the gospel. He's clearly, Paul did baptize. And Paul would be the first to tell you, yes, part of my apostleship of being sent is to baptize. So that verse is not meant to be pressed literalistically. Right. He is underscoring what? Right. Preaching Christ yes. is paramount. Right. Baptism is subordinate to that. Yes. That's what he's emphasizing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so when you get on the the, uh, the the end of the orbit, you know, going way, way out, and you're on this baptism for the dead kick, you're way past yeah. where Paul ever intended us to go. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. Salvation yeah. is in. Jesus alone, yeah, through faith in Him alone, and that's what ultimately matters. So, yeah, 
Great word, man. Well, we're going to go ahead uh, and and wrap it up there um, so that we can uh, end cleanly at 40 minutes. So 40 again, minutes, a shorter cast. A little shorter today, than usual, but that's okay. It happens every once in a while. Yep. Um, so, Greg, uh, looking forward to next week when yes. we are going to talk about this obscure text about Satan disputing the, the angel the, Michael over the body, the body of, of Moses. Moses. Oh, that'll be fun. Dude. Um, so looking forward to that little teaser for our audience next week. And until the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Thank you again for listening to These Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.